operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back and better than ever. The Comic Revolution Podcast. As always, by my side, the Tory spelling to my Shannon Dowdery, <laughs> Stephen. Huh, of all the references, <laughs> I was not expecting that one. Yes, my I friend. Had to, I had to fist bump to that. You like that, Good right? Job. I like yes, that one. Yeah. Thank you. I thought you'd appreciate. <laughs> um, Stephen, I've been a little took a little hiatus, mm-hmm. mainly because of my children who evidently hate me with their sports schedules. <laughs> to everyone who does not have kids yet, uh, boy, you have a lot to look forward to when your kids start playing travel team sports and yeah. your weekends evaporate into nothing. And for those of you listening who have kids, you feel my pain. Yeah, unless you have kids that aren't athletic, which, you know, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> you need to but. be, you need to play, to play some kind of sports, you know, be active, right? Yeah, you have the whole rest of your life to not be doing anything like that's that. That's what so. I say, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, let's get a little housekeeping out of the way, my friend. As always, you can check us out at the comicbookrevolution.com. Uh, comic mm-hmm. You can check us out on Facebook. We have a Comic Book Revolution Facebook page. You can check us out on Twitter at CB Revolution. You can check me out on Twitter at Rock Revolution. Two Ks. Stephen. And you can check me out at President Glover. All one word. I think they're all one word. It is all one word. I do feel the need to say that. Uh, <laughs> understand. Stephen, this podcast, we're yes. going to tackle DC Comics. And before we hit the titles at hand, mm-hmm. DC did unveil, not a lot of news this week, Sure, but they did, they did unveil that Peter Tomasi, who we both love, yes. Super Sons, a title that we also both loved, yes. that got canceled recently, mm-hmm. DC unveiled the fact that Peter Tomasi will be returning for Adventures of the Super Sons. It'll be a maxi-series, so it's not an ongoing, but we will be getting a 12-issue maxi-series entitled Adventures of the Super Sons. What do you think? Uh, I was depressed when they canceled it, so I will take any more that I can get. <laughs> yes. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about it. I was bummed that they canceled it. I mean, Tomasi's a great writer. Mm-hmm. He really gets the characters, and it's unfortunate that the, it got the axe. I mean, sales numbers are what sales numbers are, I guess, but it's a good title. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that at least they're giving Tomasi another 12 issues, and who knows, Stephen, if it sells well, yeah. uh, maybe DC will... A year or so from now, we'll give them another chance. I mean, look, I I cannot believe we're not going to get another Super Sons title at some point in the future. They're just too good. These characters are just too good together. If, <laughs> at least for me, I don't know. I could we could be just totally delusional and biased, but <laughs> nah, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen any reviews or anybody talking about it that don't like those two characters. So. Right. So. Good stuff. And they good chemistry because they're just so different. Yes. <laughs> you know, but they work so well together. And, yeah, and, and they don't come off like a cheap carbon copy of the relationship that Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne have either. Exactly. Which is really neat. Yes. Credit to Tomasi on that because that would have been the lazy way out. Right. Of course. All right, my friend. Let's look at what we have. We have three excellent titles. I picked three fine, fine titles for us to review. Stephen's like, what? <laughs> 
It's what? Like, it's like, did you slide something in there that I didn't see? Or? <laughs> We're going to be reviewing Justice League, No Justice, number two. Yay. Mm-hmm. Already raved about that on the website. I reviewed, mm-hmm. I posted a review for the first issue, went mm-hmm. crazy for it. Yeah. Posted issue for the second review, spoiler alert, went crazy for it again. <laughs> so I guess I'll tip my hand on that one. We're also going to check out two of the New Age of Heroes titles because you and I have really been, I think for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, we've really enjoyed these New Age of Heroes titles. I've, I've Honestly, I've yet to be really disappointed with any of them. Mm-hmm. I think they've all been pretty quality. Now, yeah, the art is a little bit of a miss on that one uh, uh, title. Curse of Brimstone. Right. The yeah. art's a bit of a miss on mm-hmm. that one. But but the story's solid. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I think these New Age of Heroes titles have been Pretty good titles. Yeah, I agree good. with that. Very mm-hmm. few. I mean, I haven't yet to read one where I was like, this is terrible. Yeah, Pretty terrible. Yeah. Pretty yeah. DC is doing with the New Age of Heroes what Marvel wanted to do with the all new, all different titles. Right. The only difference is DC's titles, the New Age, new Age of Heroes titles, they don't suck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, credit to DC. They're able to do what Marvel wanted to do. Yes. You know, Marvel's all new, all different titles. They just sucked. Yeah. DC's haven't. And I think the big difference, Steven, because we really, uh, we're re-reviewing Damage Number 5 in this podcast, and we'll also review the another new New Age of Heroes title. Right. <laughs> the New Challengers, number one. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading these two titles, and I've been thinking a lot about the New Age of Heroes anyway because we've been enjoying it so much. I mean, we love Sideways. That's just been yes. such a fun title to read. Mm-hmm. I'm reading these... And I'm thinking to myself, what is DC doing so well with these titles? And I'm not saying they're selling well, because unfortunately these titles really aren't selling well. But right. I think the quality is there. Yes. And I, do, it, I also, while they may not be monster sellers, mm-hmm. there is no online backlash to these titles like there has been Tomorrow. with the all new, yeah. all different titles. And I think that's important as well. You have to take that in consideration as well. It's not just the sales numbers, but is there a strong backlash to them? Mm-hmm. There's been no backlash to the to the all the new Age of Hero titles, right? And there's been massive fan pushback to the all new, all different titles. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, what is DC doing? And as I'm reading them, it's interesting. DC is doing what Marvel's trying to do: trying to create new characters, mm-hmm. trying to create. Now it's. I would say they're trying to create new characters first, and then diversity second. Because I mean, obviously, Damage is a white male character. Okay, the new challengers have a, a white male character on. Oh, it's not like they're mm-hmm. they're. It's not like these are titles that were like we're not gonna. It's not like Marvel where they were like you're not gonna see a white guy on on any of these titles. Right, right. They're not doing that, but they're clearly. It's clearly trying to add more diversity. You have Sideways, who's mm-hmm. Hispanic. Yeah. You have the Silencer, who's black. Mm-hmm. You've got. We've got um, the new challengers. You have a Hispanic character and a black character. Mm-hmm. You've got so they're clearly right trying the the main character in the uh, mystery. Uh, oh um, come on, what the, the immortal um, man? Immortal man, yeah, is Asian. Is Asian. Mm-hmm. So they're clearly trying to mix in more diversity of mm-hmm. characters, right. without a doubt. But what is? I have my idea. Mm-hmm. I have I have one as well. What, what what is your idea as to why DC succeeding with Marvelism? Well, I have two ideas. The first is that I do think there is more diversity, but it's more of a diversity of types of characters. Yes, like 
I mean, of course, you know, damage is a military character. We have some of those already, but sure. it's a different kind of type of military character. The um, then you have people like um, the Immortal Men, which I mean, I wasn't hot on the first issue, but in the second one, when it they got sh- better, it got better, and they showcased their powers and what yes. they can do and how yes. cool it is, and um, and obviously that's just a different type of genre of story it's more Absolutely. like a sci-fi game of thrones ish kind of thing but um but like the curse of brimstone i'm very surprised because you wouldn't catch a character like that in any of the all new all different marvel titles now definitely not because that is a character who is firmly in rural america which you might call trump country yep who is bitter that you know everybody's passed over in his town he'd do whatever he can to like make sure he can feed his family mm-hmm. and all that, mm-hmm. even if it involves turning into a giant fire monster. <laughs> you know, yes. maybe he didn't think that one through, but yes, you know, it's so you have so yeah, that character is white and not of a different race, or he's not gay or whatnot, but he's a different kind of character for a comic book that we don't see a whole lot of. Absolutely, and um, you know it. I know I'd, it, it kind of sucks because like when you see people on Twitter complaining about how, um, well, why would Captain America be an anti-fascist? It's like, <laughs> well, okay, you're you're dumb. You know, we have people right. like that lurking about, but right. I think and my other idea of what DC has been doing, and it's not to placate these kinds of people because I, who cares about them, but um, that they have not been replacing anybody. They're yes. not killing off characters or sidelining certain characters that people yes. love just to push an agenda. I mean, there's an agenda here, but it's not in the forefront of the, you no. know, of the writing. That's Correct. not the entire writing, you know. It's just okay, we have an idea, we want to get it there. Let's make stories, make them good, make them fun. Go. And Yes. And magic. Exactly. Magic has happened. <laughs> I think my idea what I was my idea is very much like your second point. Mm-hmm. I think what it was is with this new age of heroes, there is no overt political or social agenda. Yeah. Yes, there's an, everything in life has an agenda of oh, some form or another. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that, that's obvious. There is no overt political mm-hmm. or social agenda with these titles. What DC is doing is they are going, they are writing superhero mm-hmm. titles or yeah. sci fi titles mm-hmm. or um, supernatural titles, right? right. In the case of Brimstone, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is they're picking a genre, mm-hmm. a popular genre, and they are creating a story whose main focus is action, adventure, fun, and entertainment. Yeah. And the characters happen to be whatever they are. Yeah. But that's not the focal point. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, let's just take Sideways, for example. Yeah. He's Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Has that ever come up? No. Not once. No. You know he is. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. But it, <laughs> it, but it doesn't. It, it's never come up. In Silencer, has it ever come up? That she's black? No. No. Because it, so it just, it is. It doesn't matter. Right. It's like, You're yeah. telling a story. Mm-hmm. The point of the story is fun, action, adventure. Yeah. These are superhero comics. Mm-hmm. That is the point of the story. That, I think, is the critical difference. And that's why you yeah. don't get the pushback. Marvel, the point of the stories with all new, all different is a political and social agenda mm-hmm. first. And almost, not only first and foremost, but almost only. Yeah. And then the actual story is kind of like somewhere in the back and mm-hmm. the actual character development somewhere in the back and that's why the characters largely suck. Right. 
because they're yeah, not created like actual humans. Mm-hmm. They're created more as agenda Plot, yeah. mouthpieces. Mm-hmm. So that's not very compelling. It's not very real world. It's not very, you're not going to connect to that. Mm-hmm. That's not like a real human. Yeah. And I think that's the critical difference. And I think people in general, mm-hmm. I, I think this is how Americans in general, you always have your exceptions. Sure. Most Americans, your average American doesn't like to be preached to. Yeah. That's not how we're hardwired in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, other yeah. countries are different, sure. obviously have different cultures, but in America where mm-hmm. we are highly individualistic, mm-hmm. okay, and I get there are groups of people who don't like individualism yeah. in America, that mm-hmm. does exist, understood, mm-hmm. but for the most part, when compared to other countries, we have always had a culture of individualism. Mm-hmm. That's just how we were born, That how our country was born. Born. Yeah, literally. And we, and, and <laughs> we all come here as immigrants and scratch and claw our way. And we kind of do it on our own our own hard work. That's kind of the basis of the country. Right. And that's why we are so individualistic. And I don't think American readers like to be preached to mm-hmm. when they're buying a comic book that's supposed to be there for entertainment. When Americans right. go to get entertainment, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a comic book, mm-hmm. we want entertainment. Yeah. If we want to be preached to, we'll go to church. Mm-hmm. We we don't like that. Yeah. In general. There's a place for that. Correct. But it's not that's they, it's general if you want to sneak them if you wanna if you wanna preach, then it has to be entertaining. That way it's easier to absorb the message. It doesn't feel like you're being preached Correct. to. Correct. But it's okay to have yeah. a story in mind that has a message underneath mm-hmm. it. Right. But the story has to be first and foremost. The mm-hmm. quality, entertaining, engaging story has to be first. With the message secondary. The right. 1980s X-Men are a great example of it. Mm-hmm. 1970s X-Men, great example of yeah. that. So you can have that, but it can't be... That wasn't the only reason why the X-Men were... That's yeah. the only reason for every story of the X-Men. Right. That was just the sub-theme to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and especially in those times, as contentious as relations were, the fact right. that they became as popular as they are now yep. was because... They were entertaining first, but they had the message there as well, you know, to preach tolerance to the people, but not at the expense of being fun. Or real characters. Yeah, exactly. Or making real characters that Mm -hmm. engage you. Whereas what All New, All Different is, it's just just the message. It's just the preaching and Mm -hmm. the story and the character work is tertiary. Right. (laughs) Not even secondary. It's tertiary. Whereas DC is like, nope, we're going to make you good characters that you're going to engage with. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you good, fun stories that you're going to engage with. And the characters, yeah, they're going to be diverse. Yeah. But you know what? You're not even going to notice. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like real world. It's going to yeah. be like when you walk out of your house mm-hmm. and you walk into diverse America <laughs> and yeah. you don't realize it because people are just acting like normal people. Yeah. They're, they're doing their jobs. They're doing whatever. They're just mm-hmm. acting like normal humans. Yeah. That, I think, is the magic sauce. And I don't think Marvel still gets it. Yeah, I just I, which shocks me to no end, but I don't because the New Age of Heroes, no pushback at all, Mm-mm. and generally positive things being said about it. Yeah, versus all new, all different Marvel, which mm-hmm. just just people crap on all the time. Yeah. So and yet Marvel, I don't think Marvel's figured it out even now. Mm-hmm. How they can't look at DC's New Age of Heroes and go, oh, yeah. it just seems like Marvel is all about. Mm-hmm. We got our agenda. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I mean, the, the sales numbers are, are credence to the argument that, well, new, ty- new characters don't sell as well because they don't get as much publicity. And it's like, well, 
But as much as y'all parade around your little successes on The View or yes. CBS or whatever, um, if you came up with a character that was different, I'm sure you could market it. Yep. I mean, it's, yeah. it's Disney, for exactly. God's sake. If there's anybody who can market anything, it should be Disney. It's just, it's just, and look, I'm, I am, you know, I'm going to say that DC has the approach of America is a big country with lots mm-hmm. of different people, yeah. and we're going to try to try to make our titles diverse, but appeal to everyone mm-hmm. in a in a non-agenda manner. Whereas Marvel reminds me a lot of a lot of my friends that I had growing up because I've always lived on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Everyone always talks about the East Coast bias, right? Yeah, the, li- <laughs> the liberal elite East Coast yeah. bias. Everyone, well, that that's my family. My my dad is as being the son of an illegal immigrant mm-hmm. is staunchly Democrat. He's yeah. staunchly pro-union. Mm-hmm. He's spent his whole life working uh, uh, for unions. He is as Democrat as they come. Mm-hmm. My mom, same way. So that's the household I was raised in. Right. I've lived always, I've lived my entire life on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Washington, D.C. I've lived in Miami. I've always lived on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I am, and I've come from as liberal a family as, they, as there is. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm, I know the liberal elite ivory tower people because Honestly, I mean, I'll admit it. That's the bubble I grew up in. Those mm-hmm. are the people I knew. They were all very rich, successful, liberal, elite people. Right. Professors, attorneys, doctors, mm-hmm. politicians, whatever. That's what I grew up with. So I know it very well. Mm-hmm. But I also know that's not representative of all of America. Yeah. And it seems like Marvel writes only for the East Coast liberal elite mm-hmm. in the ivory towers. That's who they write for. Yeah. And unfortunately, my friends, that is not your entire... <laughs> there is a lot more to the country. And if you're trying to make money, yeah. you want to sell your comics to as large a group of people as possible. Mm-hmm. You can't target such a niche group. Yeah. Like the East Coast liberal elite in their ivory towers. Yeah. It's... It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. Even yeah. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I came from that bubble. And even I know that. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's for the East Coast and for Portland. Yes. But maybe San Fran. Maybe San yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit. But and that's just the thing. It's like you it's like I'm sorry folks, but the industry is is dying and doing stuff like this is only going to kill it faster. Right. Like having, you know, an agenda like that, it's not attracting uh people okay. I'm not going to say it's not attracting anybody it's, from these demographics because they're you know people are different. Sure, you know so of course it's probably getting some people, but it's not getting enough to sustain the loss of those readers Thank that you. you're losing. Yeah, you're losing far more than you're gaining. And <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but people can tell when they're being pandered to. Oh, absolutely. Especially people absolutely. from a protected class. Now people like to read. Things about them—that's true. People who are like oh, them, sure. And DC's providing some stuff like that, but I think most of all, they just want to read something that's really good that doesn't preach at them and is not, you know, a pandering move. Because well, there is nothing more pandering than a group of old white men sitting yes. in a publisher's office saying, "Well, how do we get black people to read our comics?" Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's make Captain America black. Right. Print. Right. It's it's <laughs> interesting. It's and this is purely anecdotal. So it doesn't mean anything, but (laughs) I can tell you that a lot of my clients, when they come, I meet with my clients and Mm -hmm. I have, I'd say, you know, a fit, most of my clients are minority of, of Mm -hmm. some sort. Yeah. And so, you know, I tell you what, I meet with my clients, none of, none of them are white, but I always see them wearing 
Yeah, I see a lot of clients wearing Marvel T-shirts mm-hmm. with Thor yeah. or Captain America on it. Mm-hmm. Blonde hair, blue-eyed Thor, blonde hair, blue-eyed Captain America. They yeah. don't care. They, I, and that's the problem. The real East Coast liberal elite in their mm-hmm. ivory towers, they think everyone's racist. Yeah. And it's not true. I don't think your, I don't think your average American really is. I mean, there is. Clearly there's racism. Duh. Well, yeah. But I think your average American tries to be good. I mm-hmm. do. I, yeah. I, 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 I try to believe the best in people. And not, not, there are bad people. I get mm-hmm. that. But I think in general, I think we try to do things better than most countries. Yeah. Um, and I think we try to learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> and look at my clients. And they're wearing Captain America and Thor t-shirts. You know why? Because the characters are cool. Yeah. They're just cool characters. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to make Captain America black for them to think he's cool mm-hmm. because they're not racist. They're okay with Captain America being white because he's cool. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. What matters is he's a cool character and it's a cool story. Yeah. Are you telling me that you got to make Black Panther Latino for my two boys to have thought the movie was good? No. They thought the movie was awesome. That Black Panther was cool. Yeah. It, it, you don't have to make him the characters the same race as the people that are reading it and you don't have to and you and you can't have the belief of well no one can relate to this character because they're of a different race that's be and that's what bendis yeah famously said mm-hmm. which is garbage because yeah. again i point to why can my two sons two latin kids they love captain america mm-hmm. he's a white guy they love black panther he's a black guy but there are no freaking latins in the marvel cinematic universe for christ's sake yeah. uh, <laughs> Okay, and my boys love the movies, yeah. despite the fact that there's not a single damn Latin anywhere to be found. Okay, <laughs> so, but the, but that kind of proves my point is that you don't have to match mm-hmm. the viewer or reader's race with the character's race to have success. Bendis is wrong. Right. Marvel's yeah. wrong about that. That's mm-hmm. not true. No, I'm not saying you. Of course, you have diversity of character. Duh. Of course you yeah. do. But you don't have to take the approach of no one can possibly. A, a right can relate, relate to this character because mm-hmm. it's a different race. Well, that's crap. That's yeah. not true. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and of course there are cultural differences, but for the most part, people are people. They relate to people. Tell a good story with yeah. a compelling character, and people will get into it. Period. There yeah. are certain just universal life experiences: family, love, mm-hmm. death, loss. There, there's just universal. Mm-hmm. You know, the mysteries of life, the mysteries of the universe. There's every these there's yeah. certain basic universal themes emotional themes, spiritual themes that bind mm-hmm. all of this together regardless of what culture or country you come from. Yeah. So good stories, compelling characters. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to win you over. Yeah. You're going to buy my title. It, that's a fact. Yeah. If I write the character right and I do the story right, it doesn't matter who my audience is. They're mm-hmm. going to like it. Or it doesn't matter if they match up perfectly with the main character. Mm-hmm. And I think DC's getting that. And DC's yeah. doing that with these new age of hero t- titles. They really are. Yeah. And I wish Marvel would learn from it because I, they'd be better off for it. I just, they, they, they create their own problems. They're their own worst enemy. Yeah, I'd agree with it. that. And I would also say I wish people would buy the New Age of Heroes titles. Now, maybe they're operating on the metric of, you know, it's another line. We had low expectations. So it is maybe... very possible. Kind of like how they judge Vertigo titles at a much right. lower bar. Yeah, and... um so, you know, uh, I wish they would be more popular, but of course we're operating in a in a rapidly shrinking market. So. Right. There's only but so much we can expect. Exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, now that we got off that little detour. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's tackle 
a new age of hero title, shall we? Damage number five. Sure. Damage number five is brought to us, the words by Diogenes Neves and Robert Vendetti, the inks by Trevor Scott, the colors by Alan Pasalacqua. Excuse me. <laughs> Too much coffee this morning. <laughs> and we begin with Poison Ivy battling damage. They are in a sugarcane plantation in Louisiana. She, Poison Ivy, forces, grows some sugarcane down into Damage's mouth, into his insides, and knocks him out. And of course, he's unfortunately at near the end of his one hour. He gets mm-hmm. one hour of power. Right. He's knocked out. She puts him in, wraps him up in plants, and he turns back to human because his hour is done. Yes. We then flash back to... Before, quote-unquote before, it's when they were testing Damage's powers. Mm -hmm. The military was Colonel Jonas, the head of the program. Mm -hmm. And they noticed that he keeps losing his powers after one hour. Right. And Colonel Jonas is like, what What is the deal? And she's yelling at the doctors, run more tests, find out why this isn't working. And the doctor's like, listen, the Damage program is an extension of the Hour Man program. And both are founded (laughs) on the science of the Miraclo formula, which they've mm-hmm. never understood, and has yeah. a one-hour limitation. It might be something that how the human uh, physiology can't handle the strain of the powers for that long, and it has to shut down and heal itself. Mm-hmm. Steven. Yes. Our man. Yep. Miraclo. <laughs> yeah! You know, as a, I love, dude, Legion of is number one for me. Mm-hmm. Number two? JSA. JSA. I go. Go, oh, <laughs> you know I'm so happy right now. This week of DC Comics, Steven, made me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, really happy. We'll get back to this later. So then we cut to the present. We see some gentleman freeing damage. He's back in his human form. What's his name? Drawing a blink on his name. Isn't it like Ethan? Ethan, thank you. Yeah. So this gentleman cuts Ethan free from the plant. Gives him some water, and we see it's the guy that Hispanic migrant worker that Ethan has been uh, working with or living with. Yeah, he offered him the job basically. On That's the- right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman wants Ethan to free all of, all the other migrant workers are all trapped by the plants mm-hmm. by poison ivy. He wants he, he knows that damage is the best shot of getting his buddies free. Right. Poison ivy comes in, notices that Ethan's been freed by somebody. Mm-hmm. We then cut to the next morning. We see Colonel Jonas. She's got some of her flunkies with her. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to track down where in the world Ethan is. They start harassing one of the migrant workers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm documented. And they're like, we're not here for your documents. Yeah, We're here to find out about this guy. Where is this guy? And they start asking him questions. And one of the flunkies for Colonel Jones. All three of the flunkies are super powered by some sense. Like the bald-headed black woman can has super senses. Mm-hmm. Because she's able to smell some clothing and know exactly what he ate for breakfast like a day ago. And uh, the scent of another man. Then you've got Handyman, who looks to be maybe super strong. Then you've got Paparazzi, who has a screen in the back of his head. And when he touches somebody, Colonel Jones can look at the screen in the back of his head and it shows them the person's memories. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's... Probably well, not going to get you into the Justice League, but yeah, it does help in say, situations that's, like that's, this. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is veering close to the Legion of Substitute Heroes level power yeah. set. 
<laughs> but there you go. Well, you know, it's it's something. <laughs> it, is, it is something. It is slightly better than Arm Fall Off Boy. Yes. So, <laughs> so we then cut back to Ethan with the migrant farm worker, and he's there. There, he's he's trying to convince Ethan he's got to turn back into damage. He's got to save his buddies. And Ethan's like, I can't control damage. He's a bomb on a leash. This is this is just. You know, I've been lied to by Colonel Jonas. Everything's just messed up. I can't do this. It's too dangerous. He goes, but I do remember something. He's, he keeps having this memory coming back to him that of after he, when they were testing on him, evidently someone came to him while he was resting, that 23-hour period where he rests after he's damaged. Someone came to him and whispered in his ear, remember the unknown soldier. Right. Yes. Classic DC character, mm-hmm. by the way, too. So... Ethan's like, I just got to get, maybe I need to go to D.C. I know that's where the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is. Mm-hmm. So we got our future plot line. Yeah. Anyway, Ethan eventually decides, I've got to help this guy. I got to help this guy who freed me mm-hmm. save his buddies from Poison Ivy. Right. So he turns into damage. And boom, comes head to head with Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. And the timer starts counting down. Yep. The one hour timer starts counting down. And Poison Ivy's like, I think it's time You've uh, found out what my, my surprise is. Mm-hmm. Meet my partner. And out of nowhere, teleports Gorilla Grodd yep. and the warriors of Gorilla, Gorilla City. City. Mm-hmm. And he goes, damage will kneel before Grodd. That's the end of the issue, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Damage number five. Yeah. What'd you think? Um, I, I will admit, I was a little like, okay, why is Poison Ivy a bad guy again? We, we oh, just I, went through this, I, but yeah, I'm now I think I know. Okay. Because now that I see Gorilla Grodd, it's like, oh, he must have been using his mind powers mm-hmm. to control our mind or something. I'm hoping that's the case because I don't want to go through this ring around the rosy with Poison Ivy again. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But um, yes. other than that, you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out, so yeah, I'll let that go. Right. But... Other than that, I really liked it. It's um, I don't want to say it's not fast paced because it does move fairly quickly for a mostly talky issue, but um, I liked the way they're still, you know, trying to explore his relationship to damage. I like the um, um, I like the reference to Our Man, of course. And it yes. makes sense because it's one of those things where we were like, okay, so it's like the Hulk if it was Our Man. Yes. But now they basically just said, yeah, it's based on Miraclo and the they didn't go so far as to say like the Tyler gene or whatnot, but Correct. It's, we hopefully that's coming. Yes. And um and I just really like the way that, you know, he took they took the time to just explain how he f- feels about it. Cause I mean, we've seen it in like, like some kind of mental, like the inner monologue or whatnot, but yeah. to have him sit there and say it to somebody's like, look, you know, this, this, this is not a good idea. Like you don't want me to do this. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it feels very Bruce Bannerish, but it's still kind of, it still works because you feel like he really feels that way. Like he's a, he was somebody who wanted to be a hero and he was turned into a monster. And now, He's just stuck with it. So, exactly. Yeah, it felt it felt very genuine, and it was well written, and um, and I like that you know the other guys. So like, but 
you know, when you were damaged, you didn't kill anybody. So obviously, you have to. Yes, you're still in control. Some control. Some kind of control. Some kind of control. And of, and I like the, and of course I like the unknown soldier reference as well because yes. I I think that's a really cool character. Yes. But um, so yeah, I mean that's and of course I thought the art was great. Oh, agreed. The art looked really nice, didn't it? Yeah. But um, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, you go ahead and and tell me your thoughts. So <laughs> this is how I look at it. I I I really enjoyed the issue. Yeah. Let me get to what got me excited the most. Sure. Miracle. Yeah. Our man. Of course. Why does this get me super excited? <laughs> okay. So, because we've not seen the, the JSA was taken off the table with the new mm-hmm. 52 reboot. They, right. they, they moved them completely gone. I mean, you got that garbage earth two crap during the new 52. That was just painfully yeah. terrible. That was not the JSA. They never called him the JSA. That no. wasn't the JSA. It's it was just something JSA. totally different. Yeah. So the JSA, we've not seen them. Mm-hmm. We've not seen our man at all. No. Our I don't man. even think he was in that one, was he? That that no. New 52 crap? Mm. No. no, 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 no. We've not seen Our Man at all during since the New 52 reboot. Mm-hmm. So the Our Man member of the Justice Society of America, he's old character, first appeared at Adventure Comics 48 in 1940. So he's mm-hmm. been a member of Justice Society of America Freedom Fighters. Right. All-Star Squadron. And even the Justice League at one point. So... Mm-hmm. Our man, his real name is Rex Tyler. He's the a doctor, who a biochemist who created Miracle. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is, I'm hoping. Now he was after the Crisis on Infinite Earths. They because uh, they messed up so much of the continuity. Rex right. Tyler, his son, became our man. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he ends up marrying Jesse Chambers, who is the daughter of. The original Liberty Bell and Johnny Quick. Right. There you go. Love this stuff. I just love the JSA. <laughs> Anyhow, so what makes me so excited, mm-hmm. since we've not seen the JSA, we've mm-hmm. not seen Our Man, to see Miraclo being referenced, mm-hmm. to have Damage's powers, his the Damage program based on Miraclo and the Our Man program, Steven, yeah. this gives me hope <laughs> that now that Rebirth has junked the New 52 and DC mm-hmm. is, which I think responsibly, rolling out the pre-New 52 continuity again rather than just right. flooding us with it and making it a confused mess again. Yeah. I like that they're doling it out in a nice controlled manner. Mm-hmm. That's great. This gives me hope, Steven, that, we're, that DC's laying the foundation mm-hmm. for giving us a little bit of the JSA. Yeah. And once maybe we get our man mm-hmm. in the pages of damage. Yeah. And when we get our man, we'll get someone <laughs> else and someone else. And then before you know it, this all leads maybe on several different titles. Yeah. Right? You get our man on damage, you get another character on another title. Mm-hmm. It all leads to the return of the JSA. Right. I do think this is the first step. I think that, yeah, I think that's kind Don't of. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Because they've had other references. Like there's um, um, Johnny Thunder in, in actual Rebirth because he was an old man. Yep. But. He was in there. Jay Garrick has appeared. He's very briefly, but he was in the the Flash Batman crossover that they yes. did. Um, and we've seen the Thunderbolt yep. occasionally. So, and now we have Our Man reference. I'm just kind of waiting to see who else they're going to pull out. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the JSA by the end was a huge oh, group. Massive Like group. ridiculously yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's Hawkman and, and Hawkgirl. Mm-hmm. But, um... So I'm kind of curious to see who they will pull out. Of course, we're probably going to get 
Jay Garrick, um, Alan Scott, and yes. um, and Ted Grant. Yes. And now, more than likely, Our Man. Um, but I'm just kind of curious who else. There's a there's a lot they can choose from. Oh, no doubt. That it, I'd be happy to see. What I like about this, and again, this is where Marvel screwed up. The DC does it so well. <laughs> Marvel decides to try to integrate their all new, all different characters into the Marvel universe by just killing right the originals. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a good idea. DC, I like how they, I like how they very subtly, mm-hmm. very subtly, you know. Less is, I think in storytelling, Stephen, less is always more. Yeah. If you can achieve your goal through a more subtle route in writing, it, that is the more effective route to take with the reader. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I just think that creates better storytelling. Right. And I like how DC is taking a brand new character, mm-hmm. Damage, and subtly weaving him into yeah. the history of the DCU. By attaching mm. the damage program to the Hour Man program, to Miraclo, right. to Rex Tyler, to the JSA, mm-hmm. you see how the steps go. Right, yeah. You are now, you are now weaving in a very subtle way, mm-hmm. but, uh, but a very strong foundational way. Right. You are, you are and, it, and organically, you mm-hmm. are organically weaving damage, this new character, into a very storied franchise right and a very very storied old concept like miracle mm-hmm. this this is a great way to integrate mm-hmm. in an organic fashion in a seamless fashion in a fashion that doesn't punch the reader in the face right or offend the reader or piss mm-hmm. them off it in a in a way that makes that new character seem more complex more relevant mm-hmm. more compelling yeah this is how you integrate them into your history mm-hmm. to give them more depth and yeah. importance. I love it. It worked so well for me. Yeah. I liked Damage <laughs> before this. Yeah. I liked him even more at the end of this issue. Mm-hmm. There was more to the character. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, it's DC's Hulk. Yeah, he takes more to it. He takes on an added um, significance in a way. Because yes. it also it also makes you ask the question, okay, well, okay, how did Miraclo turn into this? Mm-hmm. This thing that exactly, you know, exactly that is not just a extension of him; it's another creature almost. Right, but um, yeah, it kind of it kind of reminded me of what they did with the um the Young Avengers at Marvel, where you had yes. these characters who, um, at first they just kind of you know oh that's this is an Iron Man, a, a Thor, right. a Hulk, and whatnot. But then you found out later on that like um. Iron Lad was Kang the Conqueror, yes. or um, Hulkling was the son of Captain Marvel. Correct. And all these other little cool nods stuff. and references that, you know, you didn't know at first because it made you invested in the characters. Like, oh, this is why, you know. And By the way, if yeah. Marvel wanted to do all new, all different, you yeah. didn't need to do the crappy champions. Yeah. Uh, you, you have the Young you Avengers. You had the Young Avengers. That's yeah. how you do it right, by the way. That's exactly. how you do it right. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, mm-hmm. the other big thing that I liked from this issue, <laughs> I know, I just standpoint. So the other thing I liked about this issue, hashtag young, bring back the Young Avengers, <laughs> right? Seriously, I'm I'm for that. Uh, the other big thing I loved about this issue was the Unknown Soldier. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. you are weaving damage mm-hmm. this new character into not one but two, yeah, very old established franchises. Mm-hmm. Again, in a natural way, this right. guy's military damage is military. Mm-hmm. A connection to the Unknown Soldier. This makes sense. Yep. Right? <laughs> the damage program connected to the to the Iron Man program. It makes it these all mm-hmm. make sense. These are logical. The Unknown Soldier is a fa- 
he's was created by the iconic. I mean, when you're talking war comics, Steven, yeah. you do not get any more iconic than the creative team of Robert Conagher and Joe Kubert. Mm-hmm. You just don't. <laughs> I mean, that 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 is like that's yeah. the zenith right there for mm-hmm. a war comic. That that's like wow, Robert Conagher and and Joe Kubert, they're giants. Yeah, they created the Unknown Soldier. He appeared in our Army at War 168 mm-hmm. um, ooh, back in 66. He mm-hmm. is uh, appeared. That's when the, uh, our Army at War was a Sergeant Rock title. Right. And he's a cool character, very mysterious character. Mm-hmm. I've always liked him. I like the old, those old work. I mean, I wasn't born when those comics were came out, but... <laughs> You know, I would raid the five cent bin right. when I was a kid and get all these old war comics because you know they weren't worth squat when I was a kid in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. So, but anyhow, cool character, and this is a character that we haven't seen much of, Stephen, since right. the New Fifty Two. I do know that there was there's there's the original Unknown Soldier, mm-hmm. and then they did a second Unknown Soldier in two thousand and eight, but he was a Vertigo character. So I don't, inc- right. I don't, I don't count that one. I think that's just the kind of a, a random one off. Mm-hmm. There was a third one that we did get during the New Fifty Two reboot when they did the uh, J- Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti did the GI Combat title, mm-hmm. and the Unknown Soldier did appear in that title, mm-hmm. and he also appeared in Suicide Squad. Whereas the team leader. Right. So hmm. he has been seen. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a different unknown soldier. Right. We don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. We do know we had the pre New 52 one and we have the New 52 one. So mm-hmm. I don't, we don't know what direction they're going with. And yeah. it's the unknown soldier. It's kind of a gimmick that you can yeah, you add don't... to more than one character. Right. <laughs> kind, of, kind of the point. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I love it. Again, it's just unknown soldier, our man, Jason. These are just great ways to. To give damage more depth. Exactly. So that's those are my biggest takeaways. As far as the story itself, I liked it. You had a, a, not a ton of action, but enough to keep enough to keep the issue lively. I thought. Yeah. Right. I think so. Enough to keep it lively. I like Colonel Jonas. She's actually growing on me. At yeah. first, I was like, "Oh, she's just a dude, bro. I'm manly. <laughs> I fired up my dually." Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, but she's actually growing on me. I think she's taking on more of a mm, more of a Nick Fury mm-hmm. Thunderbolt Ross combination yeah. character. Mm-hmm. You get I that kind so. of vibe. Yeah, she's it's... starting to develop her own unique personality. I'm I'm yeah. actually kind of liking <laughs> her. I like how they drew her in this issue. I think what I they screwed up with. I don't know if the artist screwed up or what. I think what initially sent me off is when we saw her in the first issue, they mm-hmm. drew her like she was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in this issue, she's just drawn like a normal woman. Yeah. And so I think maybe they're kind of figuring out what she is, what her character yeah. is, what's her gimmick, what's her personality. And she's starting to develop, I think, mm-hmm. for me at least even, a better personality. She's starting yeah. to get her own unique personality to try to separate her from... You know, like Amanda Waller, right? Or, 
you know, General Lane or mm-hmm. whatever. And that's who I was afraid they were going to, um, that they were just kind of ripping off Amanda Waller. But I right. think, she, I think, I, I agree with you. I think she's had, she has her mm-hmm. own personality, but is no less imposing of a figure because oh, yeah. of, um, because of, you know, her gender or whatnot. And she's got the eye patch. I mean, the cool. eye patch is like, oh, that's cool. oh God, don't, don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and yeah, and she seems, I mean, she's got the no nonsense down, but she seems very like a, a very pragmatic person. It's like, yes. no, I'm not going to deport you. I just want to know what's going on and we'll right. go away. Right. You know? Exactly. So I like, I'm, I'm liking Colonel Jones's character a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I like Ethan's character. His character keeps getting more and more interesting as well. Right. I thought he was very underdeveloped in the first couple of issues. Very, oh, very, yeah. very kind of generic-y. Yeah. He's starting to finally develop a little bit more personality. Mm-hmm. They're doing a good job there. I, like you, my only concerns with this issue would be the use of Poison Ivy mm-hmm. and, and Gorilla Grodd. Right. Again, we, we, we just went through in the pages of Batman about mm-hmm. restoring Poison Ivy back to yeah. where she was before. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm hoping it's Grodd using his powers to control her right. because, we just, again, like you, we don't need to go back down this path. Yeah. And I'm not... And I had a problem... Editor, I mean, you know, the editors, it's their job mm-hmm. to know what's going on in the, the rest of the DCU. Right. And we just had Grodd in the Flash, yeah. in the Flash, with a terminal disease, mm-hmm. being arrested by mm-hmm. the Gorilla City guards, mm-hmm. saying that they'll deal with him because Flash is going to deal with him. Right? They'll deal with him, and he'll never bother you again. And leaves. And mm-hmm. Stephen, that issue was only like a month ago. Yeah. So I was kind of like, guys, you know, editors, you should really, mm-hmm. hey. Editor in your editorial meetings. Hey, we're thinking of using Grodd. Is there a reason why he's off the table? Yeah, right. he's kind of off the table. We need to keep him off the table for the next year. Right. You know I, what I mean? I I hear what you're saying, but my only thing with that is that they did at the end of that issue of the of the Flash say, "See what happens next with Grodd and Damage Number Five. That is so true. I feel like that is true. I feel like they're going to set that. They're going to explain what happened. Right. Right. I mean, Venditti's not a, a hack writer who's no. just like, ah, whatever. No, so I no, think no. I think he'll have an explanation. I, I have a lot of faith in him. He's a very yeah. good writer. He is a very good writer. But otherwise, you know, like like I said, character work, it keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. The dialogue, I thought, was very well done. Mm-hmm. I liked the dialogue. And the story moved very nice. Good flow, good scene transitions. So from a technical standpoint, but Venditti's a very good writer. Yeah. He's a very good writer. So Definitely. I'm not surprised. I expected this to be a technically well-written issue. Yeah. And the art, I thought, was really nice, too. Yeah. Good-looking artwork. Poison Ivy, in particular, looks fantastic. Yeah, she does. Wow. (laughs) And we got a butt shot. Thank you, artist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible. So, Stephen, how would you grade out damage number five? Um, I would give damage... I would give the writing a seven and the art an eight. Yeah. I I did like it. Yeah, okay. I will give the hmm, I will give the story seven night girls out of ten. Mm-hmm. I will give the art seven night girls out of ten only because mm-hmm. I'm not that far off from you, but only because yeah. I think his his gorilla grod looks great. His damage looks good. I will say I'm not really a fan of the overall design of damage. I wish he would sure. get a makeover, but mm-hmm. whatever is what it is. The artist does a good job drawing the design of the character. Mm-hmm. His poison ivy looks fantastic. Yeah. 
with the scenes where it's just Ethan and the a migrant farm worker who frees him, they look a little. I mean, the the migrant farm worker, he 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 looks a little uneven depending on. I mean, it looks like a totally different character. Yeah. Than he does. In, I mean, it's it doesn't look the same character. Right. He drastically changes. Mm-hmm. And. So the scenes that don't involve poison ivy or gorilla grod or damage are just kind of okay right. for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll go seven echoes out of ten. Okay. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Let's see what we got next. Let's do the other New Age of Heroes title, shall we? All right. The New Challengers. This issue is brought to us by a whole host of creative people. Mm-hmm. Words, Scott Snyder and Aaron Gillespie. Poor Scott Snyder. He's just everywhere, isn't he? Yeah. That guy's working overtime. <laughs> Andy Kubert does the pencils and Klaus Jansen doing the inks. That is an yeah. old school art team, Steven. Mm. Andy Kubert and Klaus Jansen. Am I reading Daredevil <laughs> from like the 80s? This is awesome. <laughs> so, um, and Brad Anderson does the colors. Mm-hmm. This issue we start with somewhere over the Himalayas. We see a man all bandaged up who holding a part of a bone with like a tattoo on it. Mm-hmm. And the pilot of the plane is telling him they got to turn around because of the storm. And the bandaged man goes, if you don't have the guts, I'll do it. Throws the pilot out of the plane. He falls to his doom. We see the bone with the tattoos on it. The tattoos start to glow. Right. And we see in the Himalayan mountains a door open up, and the plane goes inside the door, and then the door seals, and the bandaged man hops out of the plane and goes at last. And then we cut to now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we see this Latina doctor, I think, or pharmacist. Yeah appear teleport into some hidden base in Colorado mountains mm-hmm. the Rockies and she's she narrates this part of the issue she sees a little little new uh, challengers tattoo on her arm she doesn't know what's going on she doesn't know where she is suddenly next to her teleports this white dude who is a military agent Robert Robert Brink and he doesn't know what's going on and suddenly, a third character teleports in, and he is this massive. I mean, is this dude like part? What is he? He doesn't <laughs> look human. He's like part giant ape. Yeah, he's huge. One of the characters refers to him as Bunyan, like yeah. Paul Bunyan. I'm like, he's oh, like well, this yeah. <laughs> massive uh, ginger American. Yeah, we don't see many of those anymore. No, you don't. You don't see. <laughs> no. And also teleports in a. Slender black guy with glasses, mm-hmm. and he is a very much of a nervous Nelly. And the four of them are like, "What is going on?" Then we cut to minutes ago in Gotham City in the Narrows because, of course, you can't have a Latin character without them working in the hood, right? That's just at least it's not East LA, Stephen. That's progress. Oh, well, that is true. That's progress, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All Latins live in East LA. <laughs> it's the only place you can pick. At least she doesn't have a, eye, a tear tattoo on her face. <laughs> oh, no. So we find out that she runs this, this herb shop where she uses her grandma's ancient 
yeah, Santeria yeah. voodoo because, of <laughs> course, all Latins practice it. Though I will tell you, my wife, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Stephen, she does know some Santeria. <laughs> I got to watch my step around her. Anyhow, she, <laughs> she's... And she's giving these people like all these various, you know, concoctions, yeah, herbal, remedies. herbal remedies that work very well. And, and of course, you know, no one has health care, no one has health insurance, and they have to, and they live in the hood and they have to get their right. care from her and whatnot. And we see one of the characters, you know, thanks her for the, in- the drugs that she gave her. She gave him for the infection. Of course, it's from a fight because, of course, he's in a gang because, of mm. course. Yeah. This is all we're ever going to get. <sighs> Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> so she's, of course, telling him, you got to be, you got to do better. You got to leave crime behind. And then enters, the grandmother enters in. And, you know, to make sure you know she's Hispanic, they have to use the <laughs> random placement of Spanish. Because <laughs> there's no Spanish anywhere between any of these characters. Right. They're all Latin, but there's no Spanish until the grandma enters and she goes, I mijo, you better be good. And that's the only Spanish you get, but you gotta let they gotta <laughs> let you know that, like, in case you're confused as a, yeah. what is she? Is she Arab? Is she Asian? Is she Latin? They're letting you know, guys, for you she, for you readers who don't know. She's Latin. She's Latin, okay. Mm-hmm. Anywho, suddenly we see the city being attacked. I believe this is from the events of Metal, because you see the Justice League streaking mm-hmm. up, because all these new Age of Hero titles spin out yeah, of metal. Yeah, around there. So this is when Gotham was being attacked during metal. This is when Sideways was created. Mm-hmm. And so you see the Justice League streaking around. You see the big alien tentacly things coming down to Earth. And one of these big space-toothed, <laughs> squid-like alien things yeah. starts attacking the Barrio. Mm-hmm. And armed with a, I, and she's a pharmacist. Yeah, an herbal pharmacist. Yeah, who upon seeing these massive aliens mm-hmm. suddenly streaks into action, <laughs> whips out like a crocodile Dundee-sized knife. Yeah, out of nowhere, Stephen. <laughs> she's a small woman, and I don't know where she hides that massive crocodile Dundee knife. She whips it out, and again. Maybe, maybe we don't know that before she became an herbal pharmacist in the barrio, she yeah, was, she was an a... Olympic level athlete, <laughs> like an Olympic level gymnast, because she, yeah, just like pulls off the most amazing gymnastics to run up the tentacle of this alien up several floors into the air and slash it and yeah. and do battle with this. <laughs> Steven, it just this. <laughs> come on, yeah, really. I get everyone's got to be, you know, a strong ass kicker or whatever, mm-hmm. but come on. Yeah. No. <laughs> Stop. Anywho, <laughs> we then cut back to Challengers Mountain in Colorado, and they are the four people are greeted by a strange man, mm-hmm. and he, they're all asking him, what's going on with this? Why do we have these tattoos, these on our arms? The man does it. He goes, he introduces himself as the professor, mm-hmm. and he leads them into the hall of the Challengers of the Unknown, mm-hmm. and he starts explaining that the Challengers of the Unknown are a team of four death-defying adventurers who who draw upon their individual skills and experiences to uncover and confront them and solve the mysteries of the universe, 
and then he shows them through this hallway, this massive room with all these holograms of, of just hundreds of thousands of people who have been challenged the unknown before them. Mm -hmm. And he tells them, when your term is expired, you'll be added to the annals of this impressive heritage. But, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. and, he, and we know that their names are Trina Alvarez, that is the Latina mm -hmm. pharmacist. Right. You've got Robert Brink, mm -hmm. that is... The white the special agent. White special agent. Mm -hmm. You have Moses Barber. That would be the very nervous black guy mm -hmm. with glasses. Right. And he's about to say the giant ginger's name. Yeah. And he goes, Say my name, and folks will have to honor your memory. It's Crunch with yeah. a K. Crunch. Crunch. Yeah. And Professor's like, Very well, Crunch. So <laughs> then we go. It's like, I'm not getting I'm, I'm not, not, not going to fight that guy. Not fight it. <laughs> And then we get to the original. We see the original challengers mm -hmm. at the front. The holograms of them. The longest serving challengers. Bingo. He says. He does. The longest serving challengers. And at this point, the white special agent is like, this is crap. What's going on here? The professor explains that you're all dead already. You just don't know it. Mm -hmm. Right now, you are alive. You're existing like Schrodinger's cat he calls the schrodinger's mountain if you yeah. will <laughs> you're in between the two states of being mm -hmm. at the same time as soon as you leave you are on borrowed time your tattoo tracks this the hourglass runs out so mm -hmm. do you so you have to get back in time and the white special agent's like ah this is stupid i'm not doing this and evidently a portal i don't know where the portal comes from steven mm-hmm a portal just appears next to them. I don't know if the presser creates it or if the white special agent guy creates it. It wasn't too clear to me at yeah. this point, mm -hmm. but it's a portal into, I don't know where yeah. into. It's supposed to be into the world, I guess like outside of the mountain, but I don't know where that it's is. It's not very, this is not very clearly conveyed to the reader. Yeah. Is it no. no? And he steps through it and immediately just dissolves into nothing. Mm -hmm. and dies into a pile of melted goo. Yeah, he goes uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep, and Professor tells everyone, hey, this will happen to you if you yeah. try to leave. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then suddenly appears a woman who we don't know who she is. Yeah. Bethany Hopkins. We don't know what she is, but now we have this woman and he just has these people in line, apparently. Correct. <laughs> then we cut to their first mission. They're in a little box that's going out to the ocean. I I felt like that was they were like getting ready to go and they were like being told what their mission was or whatnot. But because okay. apparently they only have like what like an hour yeah. or whatever, a certain amount of time. A certain time. amount of time. So they have to, to know what they're doing before they go. But like you said, it's it's not it's properly conveyed. It's not, is it? And they're, you see the, it's the same bone with the tattoo from earlier in the issue. Mm -hmm. They've got that, that uh, evidently this, that's what they're supposed to go after. Right. Okay. They all weapon up. And... The Latina Miss mm -hmm. Alvarez then 
narrates the ending about how here she is at the literal edge of the world, and we see them at a frozen over, like a frozen waterfall at the end of the world with space in front of them. I don't know how yeah. else to describe it. Mm -hmm. I see a giant claw coming out of the water. Yeah. And she just describes how this, you know, she can't give up. She has to be heroic. She has to honor. She can't let down her neighborhood or her Nana. And that if her death is the beginning of a new life, it'd be irresponsible to waste it. And suddenly that giant claw is attached to a giant crab, even. And the giant <laughs> crab comes out and attacks them. Yeah. And at this point, Bethany Hopkins. I want to make sure I got her name right because mm -hmm. these names are not, they're kind of generic. Right. Bethany Hopkins pulls out a heater and evidently she's all, well, at least this is something I'm familiar with. Shooty, shooty, shooty. Like, yeah. okay. She's very aggressive. She's muy macho. Bethany Hopkins. <laughs> muy macho. And I'm confused. Did Bethany Hopkins go from white to <laughs> black? Because the colors are totally different. Or am I going crazy, Steven? I don't know. I, it was one of those things where I just kind of... Am I being over. very ultra picky with the art? But is this just not... <laughs> is parts of this just not delivered well? Um, some of it, like that, I'm not entirely sure because <laughs> in that, that one, it's... I don't want to use a film term. It looks like it's lit differently. Okay. Like it kind of casts a shade on, on them. But in that... I understand, you know, you need to know what your characters look like, so I'm not... Because you just introduced her. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to be a little consistent when you first introduce them, right? Yeah. Anyhow, we cut back to Challengers Mountain in Colorado. We see the professor watching them on the big TV screens, and he's looking at various dinosaurs and, like, an open fire pit and some cosmic scenes, and he has his own little Skeets version of Skeets, like Booster Gold does. Right. That talks to him. And... We then see that they are standing in front. We pull the camera pulls back, and we see the screen is actually in front of a giant. It looks like a giant corpse in armor. Mm -hmm. And the professor then pulls out the bone with the tattoos on it mm -hmm. and says, we're close. And that's the end of the issue. So I'm guessing the professor is the guy in, is he the guy in bandages from the beginning of the issue? I'm not sure. He might be, but... Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. We and do know that the pilot who fell out of the plane, mm -hmm. isn't he one of the challengers? You do see him in the hologram room. Come on. Hologram room. Hologram room. I thought you did. Maybe you don't. Anyhow. Yeah, it's hard to tell. <laughs> new <laughs> challengers. So new challengers number one, Steven. Mm -hmm. uh, what'd you think? Okay, so... I'm one of those people, and I know you're going to be disappointed, <laughs> that I was aware that the Challenges of the Unknown were a thing that existed. I didn't know what they did other than challenge the unknown. <laughs> yes. Um, they looked kind of like a Fantastic Four-ish group, which yes. you told me before the podcast that they came before the Fantastic Four. Yep. So they are the proto-Fantastic Four. Exactly. And and now, so I was kind of wondering, okay, what is what are they going to do with this now that 
they have the Terrifics, which is DC's Fantastic Four. So they had they had this covered already. This you right. know they go and they challenge the unknown and they they're a family and they bicker and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But reading this, there were some parts that I was definitely confused about. However, I do like the idea of them being, um, <laughs> kind of forcefully conscripted into doing this. That mm-hmm. the tattoos, like the the concept of okay, you only have a certain amount of time. You have to get in, get get done, and get out, or you're gonna uh, spontaneously melt into whatever. Um, and I, it, it's such a cliche, but I do like the, the uh, "I'm not doing this." Goes out and dies. It's like, oh, so we're, we know he's serious. Okay, mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. That's mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite tropes. Always one of the biggest badass of the group first. So okay, well, he's not gonna be able to help them, mm-hmm. but. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see what they do with it. I think it's a good idea. And I wonder if maybe had they not done the Terrifics, if they had done something a little more classic um, challenge of Fantastic Four-ish, maybe it would have served better that way. But yep. And I also kind of, I'm just wondering, like, what is this this dude's, the professor's, what, what is his problem? Like, what, is he, what does he want? <laughs> it's like, you know, he brought them together for a nefarious purpose. Like, yes. he, just, he just oozes, like, I'm evil. Yes. But, so, I mean, I'm curious to see what happens as far as everything uh, else, technically. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. I'm not, I thought the dude at the beginning was the unknown soldier because he had those bandages and <laughs> yes. the trench coat. You're like, wait like, a minute. Is he going to damage? Yeah, is he trying to find damage? He's like, <laughs> oh, I'm in the wrong title. Sorry. Um, I'm wondering about these, what are these ritual bones and all that? And uh, <laughs> why, why does this lady, this Hispanic lady in Gotham suddenly have jumpy powers yes! so she can just jump and attack a giant alien. Yes. Um, uh. And I mean, I, I know we've had this argument about, you know, uh, uh, female characters in movies who get the jump on people who are bigger and stronger than them yes. and all that. But I mean, it doesn't this, extend to big aliens. This is a little much. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't extend to giant aliens. It's, if they have, if there's no explanation as to why they can do that, then yes, yes it does extend to giant you are, aliens. You're an otherwise normal human being. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Because even like yesterday, I um, um, I didn't like the movie, but I like the action scenes in uh, Atomic Blonde because because uh-huh. in that movie, you know, she's supposed to be this the the big badass, and she gets her she gets. You know, she takes out people, but she has that. If someone's bigger than her, she like goes for the throat. She kicks them in the balls and yes. like hits them to where they won't get up. Yes. And there's a part where this guy like gets his hands on her, and she's like trying to get out, and he won't let her go. And once she gets free, she just leaves. It's <laughs> like you know what? She's Screw like, I'm not this. I'm you. out. <laughs> I'm not fighting you. I know when it's time to retreat. Yeah, exactly. So like, <laughs> if that's a character like that, he's like a Black Widow kind of character. Right. Then somebody who's just in the hood. And has a crocodile Dundee knife. I'm like, you're not taking on a giant I don't alien. Think you got? Yeah, I was like, I figured there's something. Something must be going on here. Yes, but it reminded me a lot of when they did the first um, issue of the Immortal Men, which I wasn't hot on for yes. a lot of similar reasons. A lot of stuff I didn't understand, 
Like, what's going on here? How yep. are they? I think they sell the central concept better oh, than the Immortal Men did. Yes, I agree. But I think they sacrificed the character development that the Immortal Men had, Most at least definitely. with the, the main character. Oh, absolutely. So, and like that one, I like the second issue of that better. So, I hopefully, I'll like this better. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a... Eh, I'm not a... I'm not I'm not too hot on it right now. But I'd I'd give it another issue to try to win me back. Right. But yeah. And the art, as you said, it's a little inconsistent. There's not much yeah. that's happening to really no. require a lot of art, but somehow it still kind of falters yeah. at that point. Agreed. It, for me, I'm a big fan of the challenges of the unknown. They are a classic Jack Kirby creation of course you know me if it jack kirby's attached to it in any form or fashion <laughs> i will adore it and worship it to right. no end mm-hmm. I, I do not hide this fact <laughs> no you're very out there about it so yes. so kirby created challenge of the unknown they first appeared in showcase number six steven in 1957 so yes mm-hmm. they are kind of like the precursor to the fantastic four right <laughs> the original team consisted of kyle Ace Morgan, he was the pilot. You had Matthew Red <laughs> Ryan, he was the Daredevil. You had I know I like, I like how you like you know, the fifties. You know how the fifties were, Stephen. You had like each character had to have their like you know. It's like every every pilot had. It's like every pilot has one of three names, and one of them is Ace. Yes, <laughs> yes. And how often do you hear of a character named Red? I mean, come on, yeah. like these nicknames. It, it gets better. It continues. You have the strong. Yet dumb Leslie Rocky Davis <laughs> and wow, <laughs> and the scientist Walter Mark Prof Haley. Mm. So there was the challenge of the unknown, and they the, uh, the then you had a, a later edition of June Robbins, right? Mm-hmm. The first female challenger, right? And she was the computer genius and archaeologist. Okay, so that's that's the original squad. Right. And you think of the Challenges Unknown, those are the five characters that everybody thinks of. What's interesting is we don't have... So with the new group, I'm trying to find, okay, who do we replace with who, right? Right. Who's playing these roles? We don't have a June Robbins that I know of. Nobody... Well, maybe the nerdy, glasses-wearing nervous Nelly black guy. Maybe mm-hmm. he's the computer specialist because yeah. he's, he appears to be he's, totally he seems like a scared nerd. Yeah. and and <laughs> overwhelmed and lacks social skills. So maybe he's the computer specialist. Right. So he might be playing June Robbins's role. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only four members and there were five here. So Right. But anyhow, he might be playing the June Robbins role. There is no one playing the Kyle Ace Morgan role, the pilot, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't have that. Unless <laughs> Bethany Hopkins can do that. Yeah, but we don't know that. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we don't know who's playing the daredevil Matthew Red Ryan role, unless, again, it could maybe it's Bethany Hopkins... She did you did sh- you did you not see that lady jumping to fight that alien? Oh, maybe it's maybe it's Trina Alvarez then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe she's the daredevil. Maybe she's a spicy Latin this time. God, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, the the slow but stupid Leslie Rocky Davis. That's obviously Crunch. Uh, yeah, that's the easy one. <laughs> and then you've got Walter Mark Prof Haley. It's clearly he's the prof. Yeah, who's running the team in this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, you include the prof. We do have five characters. I'm sorry. You have the four newbies plus prof, yeah. so you do have five altogether. My bad. Anyhow, who's missing is the pilot, 
of Ace Morgan, mm-hmm. and and we don't know who. Not the sure who the Daredevil Daredevil is, yeah. is yet for mm-hmm. Matthew Ryan. Anyhow, so I love the, I love this concept. I love this franchise. So mm-hmm. look, I'm not expecting them to give me Kirby's Challenge of the Unknown. Sure, because. To be honest, there's only one Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. And I try to do Kirby, and would very you, few people can. Would you rather them try and fail miserably, or would you rather them try something different with it? Right. That's a good question. That's the question. It, that's the question. Yeah. I mean, because you really, that's that's the question. Because yeah. if you try to do Jack Kirby, then you best bring your A game. Yeah. And you might want to get Dale Eaglesham as your artist. Yeah. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> that man can kill it with a Kirby look. <laughs> so, Yeah. Putting that aside, and I try to keep an open mind. I really do because I've I've really enjoyed these these this. Like I said, I enjoy the line of of New Age of Hero titles, right? And I like Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. and I love Andy Kubert and Claus Jansen. And that's what also killed me is these are good artists. Yeah, Andy Kubert and Claus Jansen, th- those are big names. These not, yeah. these they're no slouches. They know how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. What I liked about the issue was. Uh, I like the general concept of the challengers. The reference to the challengers, the original challengers. That's right. Uh, what I didn't like about the issue was this. I just I, this this. Okay, mm-hmm. the issue did an excellent job. the The writers did an excellent job, clearly conveying to you who the challengers are, mm-hmm. how they're constructed, right? What their mission is, mm-hmm. what their purpose is. Yeah, clearly conveyed to the reader what kind of title this is going to be mm-hmm. and what you can expect on a month in month out basis. Yeah. So from a technical standpoint, the things that a number one issue should do mm-hmm. clearly convey what's the concept, what it is, what it stands for, what kind of story you're going to get, what you're guaranteed to see. It does all that. Right. Check, 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 check. It does mm-hmm. all that. That's really good. Yeah. What's terrible is <laughs> these Four, these five characters, yeah. the professor and the four characters he assembles, mm-hmm. there's zero character work. Yeah. Zero character work. Mm-hmm. Trina gets the most character work. Right. And that's more stereotype than anything else. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't count as character work. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No. So uh, you get really no sense of personality. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about these five characters. Yeah. You get no sense of, of who they are, mm-hmm. what their motivations are, what the personality types are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're nothing more than either the, the, the nerdy, nebbish black guy has no personality. Right. Bethany Hopkins, she's just muy macho, no personality. Yeah. Uh, we at least get Trina has the stereotypical delivery. Yeah. And the ginger American we know is very well, hostile and very strong and, and very large and, and ginger. ginger. Yeah, and we know the professor is mysterious and creepy. Yeah. Okay. And maybe evil. And maybe evil. <laughs> we don't know. So I, it, it's not a statement. We just it, you don't the reader yeah. mm-hmm. does not feel. Okay, I can say right. Me, I did not get interested mm-hmm. in any of these five characters. Right. Nothing about these five characters piqued mm-hmm. my interest at all. Yeah. They seemed as generic and as blah as mm-hmm. you could possibly get. Yeah. There's nothing about these assembled five characters that even remotely interests the reader. Yeah. Nothing at all. Yeah, it's like the cast of Rogue One got shifted over to a comic book. Bingo. Yep. I mean, these are just five cardboard cutouts. Yeah. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. It's just five mannequins that just move through the scenes. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I agree it, with that. The character work and dialogue is atrocious. Yeah. It's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. Oh, yeah. And to get the challengers to work well, you need to have A good chemistry. character work. Yeah. You need to have good chemistry mm-hmm. and good compelling characters. Yeah. Um, I do wonder, I'm not trying to make an excuse, yeah. but I do wonder if because... The challengers and this particular version have such a, a kind of dense concept. Yes, that that they needed the time to explain. Like they could have cut, you know, the her talking to the guy. It's like, oh well, you know, you can't go back to being a gang member. It was just stereotypical crap. You didn't it was, need that exactly. But to you know, to get everybody else more time to just talk, right? Because they're just kind of there. Yes, and um. And so I think they could have taken, they could have cut a few things to make more room for that. But I just, I just wonder, you know, if that's like, well, okay, we have to make sure we sell the concept right. Yep. And this is a concept that people they need to see, they need to understand the yep. consequences. So I mean, that's not an excuse, but I right. do wonder if that's kind of what was going on. It's like, okay, well, crap, we have this high con- sci-fi concept, and we have to explain it in a way that people understand. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. I, you know. What yeah. gets me is I, I'd rather. I, I mean, I, all right, sure. I would, yeah. For, as far as the characters go, before we get to the my next part, the characters. Sure. I'd rather you just simply take the five characters that we have. It's mm-hmm. four dudes and a woman, right? That's fine. Uh huh. You, you don't have to have perfect fifty-fifty split between men, men and women on a title. You, you just you don't need it. Uh-huh. Okay, and so fine. And for this kind of title, it's okay for it to be dude heavy because I mean, look at Navy SEALs; it's all dudes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay for certain type of titles to be male heavy. Right? It's okay because it reflects mm-hmm. real life. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't you just, you know, you got four dudes? You could have made one. Hisp- you could have made Ace Hispanic. You could have made. Uh, you could have made Prof Black. You could have kept Rocky White and could have kept uh, uh, whatever his name Red. Mm-hmm. White, right, and then you got the female character. You could have made her Asian, yeah. Okay, and boom, go, yeah. And yeah, you can get some people that are gonna complain because you're racially retconning, but they ignore those people. They're, yeah, you're not gonna in 2018. You're not gonna mm-hmm. roll out a five member team and they're all white. That's just goofy. Yeah. So don't worry about that. Okay. Don't worry about those people. Mm-hmm. If you did that, at least you have characters that have an established history that readers can at least go online and learn about. Right. That it gives the writer a leg up on trying to establish these personalities because they've already been established in the past. You have a long right. history to draw from. Wouldn't that maybe have been a better approach, Stephen, than trying to do all brand new characters? Um, or do you not really care? <laughs> I mean, having not understood the challenges, I probably would have been in a similar position. As right. Just, well, I don't know who these people are. But don't you think it would be easier for the writer to convey the personalities if he'd had this, all this past to draw for on? For the writer, sure. Um, you know? Yeah, and, and then they so would have... to reinvent the wheel. Right, and they would have... I think they would have had to, you know, explain why... Explain why the concept is different this time than it was before because the challenge of the unknown, as far as I know, they didn't have that limitation. They did. They did? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know they were dead. Or was it just that they had they had the same uh, the same um you wristwatch know. thingies? Uh, yeah. Okay. I did I did not know that. Yeah. So there you go. But um Yeah, and I th- 
And that's the thing, because I, I just don't really see the need for this. We have a Fantastic Four title already. We don't need another one. And I didn't see, other than a, what I, I, I mean... They already this. got the Fantastic cover with the Terrifics. Beautiful. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, so we don't really need this, do we? But, and like you said, I honestly, personally, I would love it if just... There, because of the of the way they just cycle cycle through people in this issue, if it's like, <laughs> you just it's keep just cycling like through just, people, just carnage throughout. Like <laughs> people just kind of go in and out. Like you know, they make you like certain characters and then bam, and take them out and bring them new. I think it's it'd be an interesting exercise for a writer, but I don't and know. I think it I think it would sell like this is really dangerous stuff that they're doing uh-huh. that um, that the other superheroes don't know about. And you know what? It's like if you're not up to snuff, then Boop, you're gone. You're gone. So, um, I mean, I, and I think that would provide for a, some decent dark co- comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't know the this read to me like um, like a an ish, like a bad episode of Doctor Who where the concept is okay, but the execution is not good. From a te- it's, oh, Stephen, from a technical standpoint, I mean, mm-hmm. you, it's it's a hot mess. The plotting in yep. this is terrible. It's just awful plotting. You got so much going on, and nothing yeah. makes it. You got the you got the guy in the bandages with the glowing <laughs> uh, tattooed bone, yeah. and then you have the professor, yeah, being weird, and then you have <laughs> them, the challengers, in a box in the, what appears to be on an icy waterfall at the end of the earth, and a yeah. giant crab attacking them, and then you have the mysterious tattooed bone again, and then you have. The giant corpse in armor, and you get a lot of just stuff, yeah, random the stuff, random stuff, just thrown at the reader in no rhyme or reason yeah. at all to it. Mm-hmm. It just thrown at you, <laughs> just splattered on the wall. It just yeah. it's chaotic mess. The plotting is atrocious, and it it the art doesn't help. I hate to say it because these are two very talented guys, but the art is as sloppy as the plotting is. Yeah. There are scenes where you don't know what's going on. It's just inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. It's it, it doesn't help when the title is a sloppy mess with the plotting. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It just exacerbates the problem. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's that. It's, it's, boy, this might be the worst offering we've gotten for the New Age of Hero titles. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I'm still going to give mean, it a chance. I'm going to come back for another issue because sure. I think I want to give them a. I want to give them an opportunity to try to sell me on these characters. Mm-hmm. But I, mm. I do fear that um, the the involvement of Scott Snyder is a lot like the involvement of Dan Didio on Sideways, where you know we look at that and we're like, uh, but then we read it and it's like, this isn't Dan Didio. This is not Scott There's Snyder. No way. This is not a Scott Snyder title. Yeah. It does I not read like Scott Snyder. The the concept. Co- seems to come from his mind, but yes. not the character work because mm. he's usually a lot better than that. Yes, agreed. Yeah. How would you grade out new challenges number one? Um, I'm gonna give the writing a. Um, just because it it does establish the what, the why, the how things oh, are gonna happen. I agree. It, because it hits the basics, but doesn't go any further than that, I'm going to give it a five. Yep. I think I'm being a little generous, yep. but, yep. you know. If, if it hits the mark, the the basic marks, it gets a five. Right. I, think. I got you. No, that's fair. Um, and the art, 
I'll give mm, I'll give the art of five to him. Fair it's, enough. It's not anything Fair special. Enough. Yeah. I will go Which sucks. Uh, yeah. I will go just slightly lower than you for the story. I'll go four night girls out of ten for the mm-hmm. story. And the art, I'm right there with you. Five night girls out of ten. Right. All right. But I'm, look, I'll come back though. I, I I'm not I'm not writing the title off yet. Right. Not because of Curse of Brimstone. Mm-hmm. Very good. The Immortal yeah. Men. Got better. Got better, yeah. Damage got better. Yeah, that's right. So I, I, I'm not writing it off. Too, no. too, way too early. Way too early. I, th- I think they, I hate to say this to people, I think maybe you're you're trying a little too hard with the amb- the ambitiousness. Just yeah. just let it let Dial it, it back a bit. Yeah. Dial it back like, a bit. Like, honestly, if you would like they said, if they had just had like a crew, like maybe they are, like you said, like Navy SEALs or something. Right. Like, look, this is the kind of thing we're going to. Right. And maybe in some instances, they don't need people like that. So they have other people to cycle right. in, like have a, I don't know. It's, it's. I agree. No, I'm with you. Eh, I'm I don't, don't want to rewrite. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I could be here all day. Uh, all right, my friend. Last up is Justice League. No justice number two. Mm-hmm. This is brought to us by Scott Snyder, James Tinney in the fourth, and Joshua Williamson. Boy, that's a nice lineup of writers, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Marvel probably wishes they had some of that. Yeah. <laughs> the art by what, what do you mean? No Surrender had... Oh, right. Oh, yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> uh, the art by Francis Manipal and Marcus Toe. Mm-hmm. The colors by Hi-Fi. We begin in the Arctic Circle, three miles from the Fortress of Solitude. We have Amanda Waller in her snowmobile, and she is... Looking for something, General Lane contacts her and says, you need to get out. I'm going to send a team in. She's like, look, only I can handle this. If you get involved, you're going to screw things up. General Lane's like, look, I'm going to give you an hour. Mm -hmm. All right? She goes, fine, moron. (laughs) Hops out of the snowmobile and suddenly, boop, there's an arrow. And boom, Green Arrow arrives in the scene very dramatically Mm -hmm. with his bow and arrow drawn and says, where the hell is the Justice League? Yep. We then zip over to Planet Kolu, where the hell the Justice League is. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> A little. I thought that was nice. And our heroes are all going, what do we do? Brainiac, the guy who had all the plans, is dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. They're kind of, they're a little worried. They also then, of course, now get attacked by Kolu's robot defense core because they have the Brainiac symbols on their costumes. Yeah. Uh-oh. And Brainiac, course, is his big enemy. Mm-hmm. So they start battling him, and they're like, what do we do next? What do we do next? And suddenly they notice the tree of wisdom growing out of the ground. It's massive. Mm-hmm. And Cyborg goes, you know what? That's not a real tree. It's actually just made out of, uh, it's broadcasting a signal. It's made out of information, and it's coming from their main computer system on mm-hmm. the planet right. of Kolu. And then all the other members of the Justice League then say, you know what, we feel our costumes drawing us. Because Cyborg goes, I feel my costume drawing me to the Tree of Wisdom. And all those, right. I feel mine. Starfire's like, I feel mine, but it's trying, taking me somewhere south. And mm-hmm. Satana goes, well, mine's taking me somewhere northwest. And Beast Boy's like, so four teams, four energies, four trees? Right. Blah, 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 blah. Perfect. I love it. It's just like an yes. anime or manga, isn't it? Right. <laughs> it, 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 doesn't it remind you of like anime or manga yeah. style stuff? I, which is cool. It's not that's not a negative. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's very high concept, but very simple yeah. the way they deliver it. It's I love like, it. Oh, you go here, you go here, you go it's here. Great. Simple. It's, yeah, it's great stuff. So Sinestro, of course, is like, I'm not gonna follow. Batman's like, okay, listen, league takes point. I'm gonna redistribute the teams. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna reform the teams based on my yeah. 
how my I plans. want it done, my plans. And Sinestro's like, I'm not following you. I lead armies. I'm not following you, Batman. Get out of my face. <laughs> and Lobo's like, I don't really care who I'm following. I just want to kick someone's butt. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Kenny looks at Superman and goes, what do you think, Blue? Want to give me a toss? <laughs> Which is funny because this becomes a recurring theme about Lobo yeah. wanting to be thrown at an enemy so he can kick some butt. <laughs> like a fastball special. You're right. It's hilarious. At this point, Lex goes, well, John, do you want to tell him or do you, or do you want me to do it? John's like, you can tell him. And Lex is like, look, Brainiac, like it or not, he's the smartest, one of the smartest beings ever to live. And the fact is, I don't want to, I hate to say this, but we got to, he knew what to do. Our best chance of survival is to follow Brainiac's plans to a T. Mm -hmm. So don't forget, Kolu dies, Earth is next. Let's, the nodes in our costumes are drawing us to the four energies. Let's just follow Brainiac's plans. And at this point, Superman was like, mm, I think Luther's right. I wish he wasn't. Batman's like, well, you know what? There's at least one leaguer on each of the team, so I can live with it. Right. Uh, man's always in control. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> and Woman's like, I'm, I'm okay with it. Cyber's like, I'm okay with it too. Robin, of course, totally Damien. Yeah. Is like, are you insane, Dad? Yeah. So you want to so you want to follow a plan devised by Brainiac yeah. that's endorsed by Lex, by Lex Luthor. Luthor. <laughs> How is that a good idea? And Batman's like, well, if you let me finish talking, I meant we can do we can follow that for now. Yeah. All right. So then we come back to Earth at the Arctic. Green Arrow, Waller, they're talking it out. Green Arrow then drops the she's like, you gotta tell me what's going on. And she tells him what they've learned. About the seed and the Omega Titans mm-hmm. and the seed on Earth, the dormant seed on Earth, right? Right. Breaking the source wall, Omega Titans eating everything up. And she says, well, let me tell you what. I'm trying to find the seed. You can help me if you want. Green Arrow's like, look, there are no superheroes to help us. What you don't know is that when Brainiac took all the heroes, mm-hmm. the remainder of the Titans and Justice Leaguers and Teen Titans and all, right. the remainder ones all went into stasis. Right. Oh, crap. So yeah, Green like Arrow is taken the, somewhere. Right. So Green Arrow is the only one left. Oops. Guy, who, <laughs> guy with the bow and arrow. He's the only one left. Yeah. And he's like, all right, listen, it's just you and me. What's your plan, Waller? I'll follow your lead. And Waller goes, if you want to work with me, next time I tell you to shoot, you shoot. Mm-hmm. Now let's go. Let's go find this dormant cosmic seed. Right. We then see the tree of en- entropy with Team Entropy, which consists of Batman, Lex Luthor, Lobo, Deathstroke the Terminator, Beast Boy. One of <laughs> Who, these things is not like the other. And he, right? And he even says, why am I on this yes, team? <laughs> yes! Even he's like, I, I, why am I here? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. And the tree of entropy is growing out of the ultra Penitence. It's yes. the name of a prison. What a great name for a prison. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we see the Tree of Wonder. Team Wonder consists of Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Zatanna, mm-hmm. Dr. Fate, Raven, and the demon Etrigan. I don't think we've seen Etrigan. Dr. Fate much. No, we haven't. Since so this that's... failed title by yeah. Paul Levitz. Oh, so mm-hmm. there you go. Um, the Tree of, we see the Tree of Mystery. And, oh, sorry. The Tree of Wonder is growing out of an old temple. Mm-hmm. Where the worshippers of this magic yeah. are buried, mm-hmm. and they're saying how since Kolu is people of science, that magic is virtually dead on this planet. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, Tree of Mystery is growing out of a glass dome that they can't see through. It's a mystery, right? Okay. Team Mystery consists of Superman, Sinestro, Starfire, Martian Manhunter, and Starro. 
So right. that's Team Alien. Yes, okay. definitely. Yep. Then we have the Tree of Wisdom with Team Wisdom that consists of Cyborg, Damien, Robin, mm-hmm. The Flash, right, and Ryan Choi, yeah, and <laughs> Harley Quinn. Yeah, I've... one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, um. Well, so anyhow, I'll talk about my theory about that when we get to fair the enough. End. Yeah. Then they all start to, uh, they're presented with their obstacles. So Team Wisdom is attacked by the Kowloon HyperGuard that protects their core computer. Mm-hmm. Team Entropy is attacked by the robot guards for the prison. Mm-hmm. Team Mister, uh, no, Team Magic Wonder. is mm-hmm. Wonder yeah. is attacked by the souls of the temple's worshipers mm-hmm. and they're draining their magical energy. Yes. And team mysteries is attacked by the robots protecting the quote unquote nursery that they can't see into. That's a mm-hmm. glass dome. They can't see into. All right. We get some bickering back and forth between Sinestro and Starfire. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, calling it now. Mm-hmm. This is the second issue straight. That those two have been at each other's throats. Right. I feel the chemistry, Steve. Oh, Lord. I, I feel, I feel the chemistry, Steven. You know how it is when sometimes you get too fire, and these are two fiery types, right? Starfire, mm-hmm. very sp- spicy. <laughs> if only she was a Latina. She's very spicy, though. Very muy caliente. Oh, yes. Your Spanish is beautiful, Steven. <laughs> um, wow. Thanks. <laughs> she, she's very spicy, very hot-tempered. Sinestro? Equally spicy and hot-tempered. <laughs> oh, too spicy. It's... I mean, look, he's got—he's rocking a porn stash. Come on, that man is spicy. I mean, he is—he is like an alien Burt Reynolds, Stephen. <laughs> he is an alien Burt Reynolds. Oh I imagine when—I imagine when Sinestro laughs, it's a <laughs> Burt Reynolds laugh. <laughs> I'm convinced of it. I want to see Sinestro. In a power ring construct bandit style Trans Am. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> <laughs> those right. two. I'm we, calling it. Starfire, our, Sinestro. We got our fan fiction going we on. We are shipping here. those two, Steven. Oh my god. Shipping it now. I want I want the internet to get on that. <laughs> get on it, internet. <laughs> so all right. So at this point, to try to rally the troops, you know, John Marshall Manor is like Starro. Uh, you're the most te- tele- uh, powerful telepath in the galaxy. I need you to help me convey a message to our friends. And Star's like, most powerful in the universe, but whatever. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious because there's there's a couple there's a few times where Starro has some good one liners mm-hmm. in the issue. Um, you'll see, it, it happens later in the issue too. But it's so at this point he amplifies John Jones's. Uh, you know, telepathy, telepathy, yeah. and John Jones gives the rallying speech of "We're all Justice Leaguers, and we all need to work together." Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, we're we got new allies and and new ways and new teams, but we're still all the Justice League and rally the troops. And everyone's like, right. And even Star was like, "Well said." <laughs> and so the team mystery breaks into the nursery, and we see it's like. It's kind of like the bottle city of Candor. You see all these bottles right. except for cities. They're entire planets. Yes. A planet in each bottle. Mm-hmm. And so they've shrunk. Superman's like, it's like Candor on an exponential level. Yep. And Sinestro's like, oh, this is like an entire space sector worth of planets. Well, you know what kind of chaos it is if we release these? Because John is like, we got to release them all. Mm-hmm. 
And he's like, you gotta, we gotta, this is chaos. And John's like, no, it's not chaos, it's mystery. Yeah. And Superman's like, he's right. He goes, all these planets, we need to let them free. And Sinestro, of course, being typical Sinestro, is like, we need to control them somehow. We need to keep them under our jurisdiction. You know, yeah. typical Sinestro. <laughs> and John is like, Marshmallow is like, nope, we need to wake them, free them. That's our part. And let the world of mysteries unfold. Right. And I mean, and maybe it's just me, but. I'm a little uncomfortable with the way that Starro is looming behind the Martian Manhunter as he says this. <laughs> he looks kind of creepy, doesn't I'm he? I'm like, um... <laughs> That's not good. It's like, That's oh, not y'all better, good. Y'all better check that guy. <laughs> Seriously. Um, then we cut to Team Entropy, and they're kicking some butt on the guards, and they notice that no matter how many criminals they free, they still... They're their suits are still pulling them further into the mm-hmm. prison, and they decide what they need to do is there's a prison in the very center of the... There's a cell in the very center of the prison. That's where they're being drawn to. That's where the big bad guy must be. Right. The ultimate, the worst of all the criminals must be. They must free mm-hmm. him. While they're working their way there, Beast Boy's like, why am I on this team? <laughs> this makes no sense. <laughs> you got Batman, psycho. Lobo, psycho. psycho. Deathstroke, psycho. psycho. Lex Luthor, psycho. Total psycho. And me, fun-loving, PC-eating, hanging out with Cyborg, playing video games. Oh, wait, that's the old Justice League, uh, the old Teen Titans. Anyhow, right. Beast Boy, <laughs> fun-loving guy. And why I'm on Team Evil. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Lex Luthor's like, Entropy's not evil. It's the natural pathology of things. It's chaos. We need it to, it's necessary for the universe. Mm-hmm. And Beast Boy's like, how am I supposed? How am I supposed to help decay? How am I supposed right. to help that turn into a, a, a zombie? A zombie animals, you know. <laughs> and Deathstroke's like, this is why the Teen Titans should never be allowed at the adults' table. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love how no matter how much they've changed Slade's character with the new Fifty Two, yeah, they're bringing back. They're bringing back the old pre Fifty, the pre New Fifty Two <laughs> Slade. You know, like just he's got to always be. Anti-Teen Titans. Yes. No matter how much he's become an anti-hero now, he's got his own title, and he's becoming more and more of an anti-hero, right, yeah. rather than just the classic villain. Mm-hmm. He's always got to hate the Teen Titans. Yeah. And I he's love always got to be a dick. Exactly. <laughs> and at this point, Lobo's like, look, man, I get you're scared. I get you're scared of letting loose. You're on Team Crazy because when Deathstroke over there sasses you like that, you just want to let go. You want to throw yourself at his one good eye and not give a frag about what happens. <laughs> he goes, so give into it. Turn to the scariest damn thing you can think of and throw me into the biggest guy you see. <laughs> Again, throw me into the biggest guy. Reoccurring theme with Lobo. Um, so then uh, Beast Boy's like, I can do that. And he turns into a combination lion, T-Rex, giant creature. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty cool. And it throws Lobo into the nurse. <laughs> and Lobo's like, when he turns into the creature, he's like, now we're, Lobo's like, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> and he throws Lobo into the biggest creature. Yeah. And they start fighting. And then we then get a cool double page splash out where all the teams come together. You have all mm-hmm. four teams plus the team of Waller and Green Arrow on Earth. It's a really cool double page splash out. Yeah. Steven, props to both the writers and to Manipal for pulling this oh, off. This yeah. is a great way as you end the issue to pull all these plot lines together. Mm-hmm. This is really good stuff. This yeah. is really, really well done. And we see everybody arriving to their, all the teams are getting close to their goal. Mm-hmm. Team Mystery, they're about to free the world's Team Magic. They're getting closer to inside the temple. Mm-hmm. Team Entropy is getting closer to the central prison. And we see Team Waller and Green Arrow, they're at the seed, but oh crap, it's not dormant. Green Arrow's like, why isn't it dormant? And Waller's like, oh no. I killed Brainiac. It must have triggered some hidden failsafe. And Green Arrow is like, 
what the bird? <laughs> and he's like, what are we going to do now? And she's all like, we pray. All the all that's left to do is pray. So Waller's like just, she's yeah. she's been exposed, humiliated, and reduced to nothing at this point. Yeah. Which it's... is a great contrast to her at the beginning of the issue. Oh, yeah. Again, good good story arc for a character. Yes. Good writing. That's how you, you show us one thing, mm-hmm. you give us another at the end. That's good That's good story arc. Good right. Char- good mm-hmm. character arc. Oh, yeah. And then we have Marsh Manhunter trying to reach out to the planets, and he's like, ah, he grabs his head, I'm getting feedback, I can't reach him. We have Cyborg. He's panicking because they can't get into the, to the, to the <clears throat> core to computer the, yeah. still. And then we see Team Entropy. They're the first team to succeed their mission, of course, mm-hmm. because it's Batman. The team with yeah. Batman is going to get the mission done first. <laughs> yeah. Duh. We knew that, right, going in? Yeah. We knew Team Entropy is <laughs> doing it first. So they arrive to the prison, and you see some off-panel going, you guys are all idiots. You should have run here when you were free to. And then we cut to the final page, and we see a shadowy green figure with blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do you think there's any hope for Kolu? The Brainiac would ever put his faith in Earth's heroes. He may have needed your powers, but his plan required him at every step. The second you, he died, this planet, your planet, Earth, was doomed. Mm-hmm. And then Lex Luthor goes, who the hell are you? And Batman goes, his name is Vril Dox. <gasps> oh! And then we pan back and we see Vril Dox, and he's in his Legion costume with the <laughs> Legion logo. And he goes, yes, Batman, you can call me by the name my father gave me, Brainiac 2.0. Oh! Oh my god, I'm gonna freak out, Steven! <laughs> oh my god! At this point, I like. God, it's like a toddler that was just so happy, I like just killed over out of the ground. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, Steven, before I go crazy. Okay. No just, Justice League, no Justice Number Two. What'd you think? Um. I heard I saw somebody a friend of ours comment on Twitter about how his, the the well the 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 trend of me not understanding what Scott Snyder is doing in his comics continues here and I said he's having fun what's the problem yeah, with yeah, that they, this yeah, is awesome it is awesome oh, oh my god man, it's, it's like, completely awesome yeah and it's one of the hell things, it's like Come on, man! Like, have some fun. It's yeah, like absolutely it's like got the, the the big space and the 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 celestial. I mean, the the Omega Titans, these big things, and then there's the 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 four energies. It's like it's, it's fantastic stuff. It's like there's it's like the, those aren't energies, but it's like Power Rangers energies. You know, it's like oh, it's the thing we gotta activate and turn it on. Yeah. And then there's all the fighting, and Lobo wants to be thrown into stuff, and yes. Beast Boy's like, yes. and Superman's like, ah, I gotta save the day. I'm like, ah, it's. Awesomeness! It's yeah, it's so much awesomeness packed in the one issue. Yeah, it's 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 more awesomeness than should be humanly oh, possible. It is. <laughs> it really is. This should be illegal. It's too much awesomeness. Yeah, and like, and I know we, you know, we we look at the teens and we're like, okay, well, why is Harley Quinn here? What? But how right. the hell did they get Starro? Right. To be it's oh so weird. God. But you know what? I don't care. It's so. Well, first of all, I think it's because. It's Brainiac. He had some nefarious reasons. Of course. He was probably going to have them turn on the rest of the heroes yes. or whatnot. But, you know. Yes. He's dead, so we don't know if that's gonna, how that's going to happen. He's but, coming back. Oh, yeah. We know he's coming back. But um, at some point, it's like, you know, it's just... It, and it's drawn really well. It's beautiful. Like, yes. the way you talked about the layout at the end, where it's like you have the like the four panels up top, yep. or five panels up top, and mm-hmm. five on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's... 
it's just so it's it's just a lot of fun, oh, and absolutely. I really really enjoy reading it. Yes, Amen, brother. Look, I, let's get the the first part out of the way. Look, I, yep. again, we all know mm-hmm. th- th- there's no bigger Legion of superheroes than me. Yeah, I'm crazy for him. Mm-hmm. And connected to the Legion of superheroes is the comic Legion. Yeah, which was a great comic. Mm-hmm. And Legion is related to the Legion of superheroes. Mm-hmm. It's Legion was created by Keith Giffen and Bill Mantlo, mm-hmm. and it came out in '89. And the team consisted, the leader of the team was Vril Dox. Vril right. Dox was the, the son of Brainiac. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Vril Dox is the great grandfather of Brainiac 5. Mm-hmm. Legion of Superheroes, Brainiac 5. Right. Awesome sauce. <laughs> uh, Brainiac 5, his name is Coral Dox. Yeah. Okay, so Vrildox was a clone of the original Brainiac. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and so the original Brainiac, before he became, before the Christ of Infinite Earths, Brainiac was, his real name was Vrildox. Mm-hmm. He was a scientist. Right. Vrildox. And then he became super bad guy Brainiac. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, after Crisis on Infinite Earths, they changed. That's when they had to change things, and so they changed his his whole background. Um, but Brildox from the Legion, this guy, we've not seen mm-hmm. since the New Fifty Two reboot. Right. We've not seen anything happen to the Legion of superheroes. Period. Yeah. Nothing having to do with Legion. Mm-hmm. Nothing having to do with Legion. Well, Lobo is, it was in Legion. I guess he's the only exception. We've seen Lobo. Sure. Take Lobo out of it. Mm-hmm. We've seen nothing else from the Legion. Nothing else from Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. We have seen Vril Dox in a flashback scene in Superman Annual Number 2 during the New 52. Mm-hmm. But that was the human form of Brainiac. Mm-hmm. So it's not... Vrildox 2, right. not mm-hmm. Brainiac 2. Right. Okay? So this is the first appearance mm-hmm. of Brainiac 2 since the New 52 reboot. The first appearance. This is huge. Like <laughs> what we're talking about with damage and dropping hints of the JSA right. and mm-hmm. Unknown Soldier. This, again, you got Saturn Girl over in the pages of Batman mm-hmm. and Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Now you got the return of Vrildox. Mm-hmm. Right? Steven. We're <laughs> paving the way mm-hmm. for the Legion of Superheroes. I'm convinced of it. I am absolutely convinced of it. That that's that's what we're getting. Oh, I agree. I think is a big. I, I mean, the fact that we know the JSA and the Legion's come back is because Jeff Johns is a big fan of both of those groups. Correct. I mean, Jeff Johns wrote the JSA for a while, and um, and he's an unabashed fan of the Legion. Maybe yep. not as much as you. <laughs> but no one should be. <laughs> that's unhealthy so you know i've been i've been excited to see how they're going to come back yes um, i'm not sure how but mm-hmm. you know we're we'll see i'm sure that something will have to come up soon maybe there'll be a hint at the end of this 
at the end of this event since it's yes. so much about what's going on in space and right. all that. Right. But um, yeah, I was pretty excited to see him. I mean, it took me a little bit to to remember the name because it's been such a long time. Right. I was like, oh yeah, I know who that is. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, see it's great because you got <clears throat> the Legion, the Legion title. Mm-hmm. It was Vrildox Brainiac Two. Okay, mm-hmm. great grandfather of Brainiac Five, right. Vision Superheroes. You had the Durlin, who was um, later revealed, he's a friend of Doc's, mm-hmm. Real Doc's, later revealed to be RJ Brand, who was the benefactor of Legion Superheroes. Right. <laughs> you had Strata, she was a crystalline uh, alien, she was pretty mm-hmm. cool. You had Stealth, you had Garen Beck, and you had Larissa Maller, who was the ancestor of Legion of Superheroes member Shadow Lass. Right. And then later on, you had other characters join the team. You had FaZe, who was Phantom Girl mm-hmm. from Legion of Superheroes. You had Lobo. You had Largand, who it was, was the Daxamite who later became mon yeah. Mm-hmm. You had Lady Quark. You had Captain Comet. Mm-hmm. So you had... You had um, so you've had a whole bunch of characters that are all directly connected to Legion Superheroes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just... And Legion on its own was a fantastic title. Mm-hmm. Fantastic title. And it later became Rebels. And then in, in the late 90s. And then they came out with a later Rebels title in the late 2000s, like 2009, 2010 mm-hmm. period. Vrildox is the star, whether it's Legion or Rebels, whichever mm-hmm. title, Vrildox is the star. Vrildox right. is a fantastic character. Brainiac 2 is an awesome, awesome character. <laughs> if you like the, the, the anti-hero, if mm-hmm. you like that, that, that character who is just deliciously devious, you know, you love him. At the same time, you're like, oh, you're just the worst. And I love <laughs> you. And I love you because of it. You know what I mean? He is just Oh, he's like Kevin Spacey in 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 House of Cards. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like you're just like, oh, I love this guy. He's so awful. You know, <laughs> he's such a compelling character. Mm-hmm. He has so much potential. Yeah. So much potential. So I, I mean, Snyder and Tinian and Williamson, they got a wonderful character mm-hmm. in Vrildox, Brinak too. I mean, yeah. a wonderful character. I'm really excited to see what they do with him mm-hmm. because he's a Fantastic, compelling character to read. Yeah. And I'm hoping we get a new Legion title. Yeah. Along with the Legion of Superheroes title. <laughs> Give me both! I'm greedy. <laughs> I want both back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so that really, that, that was, for me, Stephen, that was the, obviously that was the real big thing out of this title that, that got me all crazy. I mean, that's right. a hell of a damn ending, okay? Mm-hmm. But, but looking at this, you're right, Stephen, from a technical standpoint, this is Brilliant writing from Snyder, Tinian, and Williamson. Mm -hmm. This is a brilliantly written issue. From a technical standpoint, it is brilliantly plotted. Mm -hmm. They're juggling four plot lines, four teams. Oh, five. I'm I'm sorry, five plot lines Mm -hmm. with five teams because you got Waller and Green Arrow on Earth. Right. So you got five different teams, five different plot lines. Mm -hmm. They juggle them seamlessly, Steve. Mm -hmm. Seamlessly. The scene transitions between the two teams, Mm -hmm. between the five teams. Perfect. Yeah. Smooth transitions. The story flows organically in a pleasant fashion. Mm-hmm. It is brilliantly plotted. It's amazing how, and they tie them all together in that mm-hmm. final scene, but it does it so effortlessly. Yeah. It is 
brilliant plotting. You want to know how you plot an issue with 22 characters. They had 22 yeah. characters, Stephen, between these teams. Yeah. 22 characters, five different teams, five different missions. Mm-hmm. This is how you do that kind of plotting. It's mm-hmm. stellar. So much that if they ever bring back a Legion of Superheroes title, then you put either Williamson, Tinian, or Snyder on it. Yeah. Because these guys have shown, because to handle Legion of Superheroes, you got to juggle yeah. a massive roster and massive plot lines. Numerous plot lines. Mm-hmm. These guys can do 22 characters, five teams, yep. five plot lines, and did it like it like like it was a walk in the park. Yep. Like it wasn't even hard. <laughs> this is brilliantly plotted. Yeah. This is this is no joke. Like people want to know how to plot an issue. Read this. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And even, what's even more impressive is that they um that um everybody still has their own unique personality. That's the despite other thing. having Either little oh to God. do or nothing. Like when somebody speaks, you're like, "That's that yes! character." Yeah, that's what really amazed me is that you got 22 characters. Mm-hmm. Normally, when you're juggling 22 characters, it's hard to get anyone's personality across. Oh yeah, it's hard to make any character look developed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, look at New Challengers. You had five characters, you couldn't yeah. develop anybody, right? Mm-hmm. On this, you got 22. Now, yeah, they, they kind of put on the shelf a couple of the characters. I got that. Sure. Because it's 22 freaking characters. So yeah. I mean, I think like Flash, Ryan Choi, Doctor Fate, Raven. Mm-hmm. Etrigan. Wonder yeah. Woman, Etrigan. They kind of put them, those six on the shelf. But yeah. that still left you, you know, <laughs> another four, uh, uh, 16 characters, yep. okay? And, and you're right. They, it's, it's, it's the economy of mm-hmm. panel space and lines. Yeah. If you use your dialogue and your panel space, very economical. Mm-hmm. You can convey a lot of character work in a few lines. Starfire and Sinestro don't get a ton of lines, but the few they get are so perfectly crafted yeah. that they, in a very short, in just a few lines, mm-hmm. convey their personalities perfectly. And ignited a romance. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Martian Manhunter, in the few lines yep. he gets, gets across his personality. Mm-hmm. Starro, in the few lines he gets, conveys his personality perfectly, yeah. don't they? Yeah, which is apparently a teenage girl now. Like yes! Universe. No, but yes! I, and I like that. It's I funny. like it, though. <laughs> I mean, in, in Lobo, in a few lines, you get his personality across. Yeah. Deathstroke! One line. Yep. One line. Bam. Nails personality. Mm-hmm. Batman. Same thing. Yep. Just a few lines. Lex Luthor. Yeah. It, 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 you can go on and on. That's amazing writing. Yeah. When you're able to take a few panels, a few lines, and just nail the personalities. These characters are very well developed. Mm-hmm. These external voices are very unique. It's amazing dialogue. It's amazing dialogue. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. And for such a raw, for a large roster, normally, what happens is everyone gets a generic voice. Yeah, that's this, what happens with the large roster. Everybody gets a generic voice. Yeah, this makes um, this makes no surrender, no justice, no surrender. This makes no surrender look like a, a middle school play by comparison. It's it just, does. Ugh, it does so much better. Oh my! And God. in four, it, well, this is two issues out of four, but you know, on a monthly schedule, all this. Yep. Three writers. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Hello. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> Um, and I mean, I like Waller's character was great. I liked her character arc from mm-hmm. very typical in control, snotty, overbearing Waller yeah. to <laughs> totally exposed and humiliated at the end. Mm-hmm. Good. It, it's really good. I, I'm blown away. Character work, dialogue, plotting, pacing. I, what, what can you say? Yeah. The scope of the story is massive. Yeah. The whole concept of the trees and the teams and the, the Omega, Omega Titans, it's fun. Yeah. It's uh, high concept. Sci-fi. It's got a little anime manga to it. It's <laughs> fun. It's fun. It's excitement. It's adventure. Yeah. It, uh, I, 
I can't say enough, Stephen. I don't, I don't have the words to say how amazing <laughs> it is. It's just phenomenal. There's a lot of depth to the story. There's mm-hmm. a lot of substance to it. There's so much that just envelops the reader. You get pulled in so deeply. It's, it's a fun, fun, fun story. Oh, yeah. And you're on for this roller coaster ride. Yep. And it's just a blast. I, 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 I love it. I couldn't agree anymore with you. It's, this is how these things should be done. This is an event. Amen, brother. This is an event title, and it feels like it without sacrificing yep. any of the, of the stuff you expect from you know your Agreed. regular comic. And books. let's <laughs> take a moment to praise Manipal's yes. art. He brings this the diversity oh. of Stephen. The diversity of his panel layouts mm-hmm. is a, every page. It's almost like a different panel layout. Yeah. In the way he's able to pull all these in a creative fashion, pull all mm-hmm. these. I mean, as an artist, hey artist, you got to draw twenty-two characters on five teams. Yeah. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> That's hard to do. Oh and, yeah. And as we saw in the new challengers, to do it in a coherent fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very coherent. Yeah. Very coherent. The panel layout is very creative. Yes. Very creative, mm-hmm. and his art is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The facial expressions are wonderful. He breathes life into the story. It looks epic. It yeah. looks vivid. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, wonderful artwork. Yeah. He deserves a lot of credit for how much fun this title is. Oh, yeah. A lot of it Absolutely. is on him. Yeah. Uh, how would you grade out Justice League No Justice number two? Um, this is everything you want in an event comic book and more. The only thing it didn't do is make me cry, but it might do that at the end. There you go, man. But, you know, so I'm, I'm giving it straight nines. I really, really love this stuff. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you, dude. I'm I'm going straight nines. Yeah. Nine for story. Nine, mm. nine for uh, the art. It's just this is what you should be doing for a big event comic. Yeah, Marvel, take note, please. This do. is what you should be doing. It's Ugh. just amazing. It's yes. amazing. All right, my friend. Not a bad selection of the comics from DC. No, not really. Um, I think the overwhelming success of No Justice yes. number two makes yes. this on balance an awesome week from DC. I mean, yes. you'd have to throw out a lot of crappy titles to weigh that down, yeah, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we, I think it's only fair. I think we'll probably hit uh, the new challengers one more time. Sure. I think we owe it to review it one more time to make mm-hmm. sure before we pass judgment on that one. Yeah. I'd agree, Seth. I mean, the Immortal Men got better, so, you exactly. know. Exactly. So we'll, sometimes they it's it uh, sometimes they just need more than one. Yeah, and damage I think is is going to be on my consistent pull read at this point. Same. Yeah, yeah you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right, my friend. Excellent podcast as always. Until next time, viva la revolution. <laughs>